peace that comes from believing in the plan that you have for us. We thank you for that, Lord, right now in the name of Jesus. We ask that you would speak to us from the volume of the book of the things that you have written on our behalf. Cause us to see the destiny, to believe for the destiny, to act on it, to prepare for it, to persist until it manifests, and then to project it on to the next and the future generations that follow us. We believe that this destiny is for us. And we thank you for it now in the name of Jesus. Now say this with me, Heavenly Father, your word says, if I lack wisdom, I should ask you in faith without wavering and that you would give it liberally without fault finding. I ask now for that wisdom and I believe that I receive it. And I say with my Lord Jesus that I must be about my father's business. Thank you for giving me your insight into my kingdom success. In Jesus' name, I pray expecting. Amen. Now say this with me. I am a believer of the word of God. I am an epistle of the spirit of God. I am a disciple of my man of God. I am a finder of the destiny path of God for my life. Amen, amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Just want to acknowledge those that are with us um, online. If you're watching with us on YouTube or on our uh, Facebook page, thank you for joining us. You can see I'm dressed a little different. This is the time we celebrate the Christmas season, and uh, I am appropriately dressed. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Um, please take the time to connect with us over all of the social media channels. There's information there on your screen about how you should do that. We really would love for you to stay connected with um, the Destiny Generation Church family so that you can, on an ongoing basis, experience the difference of destiny. Please do that. And uh, we certainly want you to consider just staying and being a part of our uh, extended church family and being a destiny partner. That's a big deal to us. And we just want you to know how much we honor and receive you in that role. Amen. Right. So our topic has been and will continue to be today um, experiencing increase through faith. And so that's that's been our topic, and uh, we are certainly excited about that, and we're going to continue to minister on that regard. Now, we've been talking about experiencing increase through faith. This is my first time back in our, um, in, in, in a saddle since uh, the leadership conference. Uh, Minister Eva did an amazing word, yes, uh, last Sunday for us, Amen. And um, she talked to us about some things around stewardship that are really important and 
that was something that the Lord had really been talking to me about as we came out of the leadership conference. I, I was quite moved by everything that was said, but there were some specific things that was stirred up in me by the piece of it that uh, Bishop C. Milton Granham gave. And um, that really challenged me. And so that's going to influence a lot of what we said today. So today, when we think about inc experiencing increase through faith, I want you to think about experiencing increase through faith in the destiny of our next and future generations. Think about experiencing increase through faith beyond you, not just what God wants to do for you. And God wants to do something for you. You know, your pastor, listen, if he didn't want me to believe for him, you know, to hook me up, he shouldn't have put it in his Bible. Right? If he didn't want me to get the hook up, he should have, he should have put it someplace else. He should have hit it. But when he put it in this word, then um, I, I'm going to believe for it. Okay? And if you don't want to believe for it, that's on you. You do you. All right? I'm going to believe for it. But if everything that I believe for has benefit to me, then I'm really not partnering with God. Abraham understood that he was blessed to be a blessing. That it wasn't just going to be everything that he believed for wasn't going to be for his own benefit. And not only did he believe, not only did he believe for things that um, weren't for his benefit, some of it wasn't even for the benefit of his personal family. Because God told him, through him, all the families of the world would be blessed. All right? So I want you to believe. Now, now you should be believing for your kids. Right? You would be irresponsible if you didn't. You would be an irresponsible parent, grandparent, uncle, aunt, cousin, if you didn't apply everything that you've learned about faith to your own personal family. That would just be irresponsible. But what I want you to recognize is there are some people that don't have your blood in them, don't have your last name that God is counting on you to pray for and believe for, all right? So when we are talking about the increase here, we're talking about experiencing increase for the, the destiny of our next and future generations, okay? And so in 2019, we're going to work intentionally to develop dynamic youth and children's ministry here within the church. We're going to be very intentional about that, all right? That's an area of leadership. That's some ground that, I'm, that we're asking God to take in 2019. Not only are we asking God to help us to do um, dynamic ministry in here, we're going to send some of you out there to do dynamic ministry on behalf of what we do in here. Okay? So... Part of the thing that we've been believing for as we have taken the time that it takes to have the kind of foundations classes that we did in the church 
is that you would be matured to the point that the church can send you out to the place, whether it's Eisenhower School or Big Brothers and Big Sisters of Flint, um, that there will be places that you would go on behalf of the church to do your ministry, because not everybody's ministry is pulpit. Listen, you, you can hurt a church putting up the wrong person, okay? And even if you have a ministry that's, that's destined for the pulpit, sometimes you got to do the hard yards on the outside so that you will have something worth saying when you stand up on the inside. Because everybody want to just, well, I got a, I got a ministry, so uh, what Sunday are you scheduling me? Hold it, hold it, pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. Okay, what fruit have you demonstrated in your own sphere of influence that is worthy of people listening to you and replicating what you have done in your own life in their life? Okay, so I'm giving the ministers a hint. I'm going to be challenging you in 2019. You want me to call you minister? I'm going to be challenging you to make sure you're doing something to move in the direction that God has helped causing the church to go. And minister doesn't just mean you got reverend behind your name. Okay? Because, uh, I remember that Sunday I had everybody stand up and most the whole church stood up for leaders. And I believe you. But you're not a leader if you don't exercise leadership. Right? If you go on someplace, you call yourself a leader, and nobody's following, you're just taking a walk. So we're going to be challenged in this area about um, experiencing increase through faith as we believe for the destiny of the next and future generations. All right? Um, so our objectives here, this is just review. Um, number one, to challenge you to apply the force of faith to problems, promises, situations, and complications, believing God for manifestation beyond your imagination and expectation. Now, we're saying this as you think about the next and future generations that's, that you know in your family. Sometimes you see promise in them. Sometimes you see problems. Most of us come with a little bit of both, if we would be honest. Most I wish, I wish it all came, and I wish it was like, you know, those five famous words after every fairy tale, and they lived happily ever after. I wish it was like that. It really isn't. So most of the times, we have problems and promises all bundled up together. And so when we think about our next and future generations, sometimes you see promise, sometimes you see problems, sometimes you see a little bit of both out there. But we're going to believe God in the midst of that. Number two, to eliminate power keys and principles that I've learned in my own life and seen in the life of my mentors and spiritual leaders. Think about what, what Bishop Granham told us about that one missionary who, who pulled him out of darkness. And that missionary has long been dead, but through Bishop Granham's ministry, he's still speaking. Sometimes we just, we think about life in our lifetime. 
I hate that bumper sticker that says, I'm spending my children's inheritance. You big dummy. That, that bothers me. Now, listen, I understand um, that you don't give children accounts without accountability. I understand that. I understand that um, some, some of our children haven't had the maturity and we've given them too much stuff without giving them the stewardship to handle the stuff we've given them. I understand that. So your pastor is a balanced person. But if you haven't been preparing somebody to, to handle stuff that you've done, then you have mismanaged your parental responsibility. All right? It's a mindset that says, I just got, I did me, you got to do you. That I'm, I'm challenging, right? All right. Number three, to embolden you to release your faith for the illogical, inconceivable, and what is naturally impossible, such that God is free to move in amazing ways to bring his purpose to pass in your situation. If your child is out there nutting up, why don't you believe for God to make them the greatest evangelists of their generation? Just, I, my statement is, if it's Christmas, I might as well ask big. If your daddy owned everything in the world and he told you it's Christmas time, I will give you whatever gift you big and bad enough to ask for. I would ask big if I knew my dad could deliver big. So if you really believe that you serve an amazing God, then why would you ask for small stuff that you could figure out how to make happen on your own? Lord, I don't even know how you can do this. But I'm believing that you're going to turn my son around. I believe in that you're going to turn my daughter around and that in their generation, they're going to be one of the greatest ministers that the world has ever known. Bishop Thompson told us about how his mama wasn't really halfway saved. But she, she finally clicked that her, her mother had prayed and her grandson was this great man of God. She didn't even, it slipped in on her. She didn't even know. Somehow God had turned it around. Think about that grandmother's prayers. Think about the thousands of people between their collective family that they minister to. All because a granny prayed. All because a granny prayed. So I want you, don't, don't, listen, listen, pray, believe God, ask him to turn it around. Pastor David, I don't know all of them big words you do. Do you know them words that you know? I didn't tell you to use my words. I told you to use your words. Do you think God don't understand your words? God has a dictionary. Did you know that? So however you talk to him, he can talk your language. But you got to believe it. Ask him for big stuff. Don't ask him for the stuff you can already figure out. Yeah, I can, I can kind of see, you know, you know, my daughter's here, and if she just keeps staying in school and get her degree, then she can do this, and she just, you know, one plus one equals two, and 
two plus two equals four, and four plus four equals eight, and eight plus, don't, 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 don't pray them kind of prayers. Go from zero to zillions. God, I want you to take it from here, and this is what I'm asking you for. Believe God for something that you can't even conceive of in your own. I don't even know how you can do this, God, but I'm still asking you to do it. And then finally, to highlight nuances of applying the faith process in various areas for maximum destiny fulfillment. Okay, Pastor David, what are some of the nuances about applying faith to the area of destiny for the next and future generations? Seven nuances. Of, ex of experience to experiencing increase through faith for a destiny generation. Number one, in faith for a destiny generation, you must prepare and plan for things you may not ever live to see or experience the fulfillment of. You need to pray for stuff that may be beyond your lifetime. Daughter's not even married yet, but I'm praying about her grandchildren. Beyond, beyond my lifetime, I may not be here, but I'm still, I'm logging some hours praying and praying as if my prayers now will impact a future generation. Yeah, I have to be okay that I might not see it all. But just because I don't see it all don't mean I don't believe it all, and, I, and I'm not paying, playing an important part in it manifesting right now. Number two, you have to see like God. You have to see the harvest inside of the seed. God looks inside of a seed, and he already sees the harvest completed. When my... When my uh, My nephew, Minister John, was young. There was a certain confession that I said over and over and over and over again until it impacted his mentality. It was a scripture. There was a man sent from God. His name was John. I said it over and over again. There was a man sent from God. His name was John. Pastor David, why do you do that? Because that's how God sees it. When John was a baby, John the Baptist, he saw the man. And even though he was a man sent from God, he wasn't sent as a man. But when God saw the baby, he already saw the man. So when you're looking at your children, how can you see the harvest while you're still looking at the seed? You got to see something beyond what you see. Because if you see it, then you'll prepare, you'll treat them different. If you see the harvest, you won't get irritated with the seed. <laughs> if you see the harvest, you won't get irritated with the seed. Okay? Okay. Because I see something beyond what I see, then I can go, I can, I, I can get past your dumb days. So I can get past, I can get past, you know, 
your knucklehead years. I, I, can, I, I, can, I can put up with the terrible twos, the freaky fours, <laughs> and the psycho sixes. I'm just saying. I can, I, can get, I can get past those times because I see something beyond what I'm looking at right now. You have to see it, and then you have to call to it. You have to see it even when they don't see it in themselves and call to it. You have to call to the greatness that's in them. You have to call it out. It won't come out if you won't call to it. You just like your knucklehead, whoever the knucklehead is. That's not calling to the greatness. You got to call to it. Use your mouth and say, I see something in you. Uh, and then they may just ignore you, but keep calling. When they're by themselves, what you said to them is going to rise up in them. Because you're calling to something. You're calling something in them, out of them. You got to call to the greatness. What's the third one? While you have to move forward on the basis of vision, you have to allow for the possibility that it may turn out, it may not turn out exactly as you have envisioned it. Like, you need vision. Proverbs 29 and 18 tells us where there is no vision, the people perish. So I'm moving towards vision. And not only do I have vision for my lifetime, I have vision beyond my lifetime. But when they get to that point that I have sold for, they may see something different that I haven't seen. And I have to be willing to let my hands go take my hands off of it, and let them move it in a way that I didn't see. Because if I don't do that, then I'll go from mothering to smothering. I have to allow that the same God that spoke and put vision in me can speak and put vision inside of them that he didn't show me. Because the same God that talked to me didn't stop talking. And that's what I want. You, you heard um, our bishop, Bishop Thompson, he came here. Didn't he do some amazing stuff? I mean, that morning, you know, the, the thing that he did where he laid hands and prayed, that was an amazing time. Um, I, <laughs> we're going to see, I believe that that uh, whenever he comes, and I'm going to try to keep him coming at least once a year, that, that we'll just grab whoever, whoever goes through a class, and then we just grab them people and have him lay hands, because it was so good. It was really good, right? No word, Pastor, but we pray for you. We grabbed your, your certificate, pray for you. We knew you wouldn't not, but we prayed in Jesus' name. And, um, but he has, he's a man of a tremendous vision. And so... You know, they have camp, uh, uh, a building there, seats maybe 12, 1,300. But he was believing for one that was seating like 2,500 to 5,000, somewhere in there. Had the picture, it was on the wall, nice picture. Big picture, isn't it? 
right? So during his time, Bishop Thompson was taking that thing and he was talking that thing and he was working that thing. He was calling to it. He had bought property, big property. The mayor of the city said, said Jubilee, uh, the mayor of the city of Boston, just so we know what city I'm talking about. Jubilee is the biggest property owner in that city. Bishop said, Bishop said, man, it can't be. Got to be the Catholic church. He, <laughs> the mayor said, Bishop, you own more real estate than the Catholic church. Boston, Irish Catholic, come on, y'all. Just hear what I'm saying. <laughs> Tremendous vision. And so they had bought the property. We're going to do it right here. Then in 20, 2014, he turns the church over to Pastor Matt. And Pastor Matt, his son, and Pastor Matt says, Dad, if you want me to build this, I will build it for you as a testament and fulfill it. He said, but Dad, my generation, they don't want bigger buildings. He said, Dad, what I see is not just one big building where everybody comes, but smaller buildings that can be spread out across the region and that we have multiple services so people can plug into the slot that works for them. And the father had to say to the son, man, that's not the way I would have done it, but obey God. And he had to be okay with it. It may not you, now, Bishop Thompson needed the vision that he did because it drove him to do what he did. But when he passed it on to the son, the son got in the seat and saw something different than the father. You got to be okay with that. So many times we move with vision in our generation. And then when it's time to pass it off, because they see something different, then we fight against the thing that we sold to build up. And we tear down the thing that we spent all of that time building up. I am preaching really, really good here. I got to be okay. Like, you, you see the stuff behind me. People come in this church and read my stuff, and they like, my God. Bishop Thompson was like, David, man, that's tremendous vision. But I got to be okay because I got a leg of the race to run. If I pass it off and then they get in the seat and see something different, that was not all of this stuff that I put on these pictures, I got to be okay. I got to be okay. Those are difficult. That's difficult. That wasn't easy for the bishop. When the Lord showed me Destiny Generation Church, different from New Generation Holiness in the Church International, that was not easy. But I had to say, Apostle, you obeyed God and you did what he showed you. You got to release me to do what he's showing me.
And that's a nuance, because see, if not, you get into witchcraft, and then you start trying to run people. You try to be God for them. You try to see God for them. You try to hear God. No, it got to be the way he showed me back in 1985. When the same God that talked to you in 1985 is still talking in 2018. He didn't stop. Number four, you can't presuppose where the greatest greatness lies. <laughs> so you have to be equally committed to the destiny of all because the one you think not may be the savior of the entire generation. Listen, you may be betting on the wrong horse. This is some good preaching, Pastor David. Yeah, I may not, I may not get much further than this. I got a lot of stuff in my notes. But this right here is some good preaching, so I want to stop here. I'm going to stop here and, and, and just stay here for a second. I need to pump this right here. Sometimes we play favorites, and the favorite we think is going to be the one, we put all our eggs in that one basket, and that one run on, leave you and everything you got behind and be like, baby, bye. Sometimes we bet on the wrong, we betting on the wrong horse. We think this one's the one's gonna get us over. So we get behind that one's dream. We go to all of their games. We support all of their after-school activities. We do all of their stuff. And then the other one here, who has all the one, who really is the one that God is using and has the call of destiny on, we just kick them to the curb. They get the leftovers because we have presupposed in our mind that we smarter than God and we know who's the one that's got the greatness in us. You got to be careful because the one you pass over might be the one you have to need. When David came, when Samuel came to town to anoint a king, for David, to anoint a king in Saul's stead, David wasn't even in part, invited to the party. Big brother Eliab, tall, dark, and handsome. He looked like a king. Samuel said, this, this must be the one. God's anointed must be before him. God said, pump the brakes. Pump the brakes, Sam. You're looking at the outside. He said, man looks at the outward appearance. But I see something different on the inside. He ain't ready. He is not the one. You got to be careful because the one you're looking at and all of the factors you're choosing to decide who really got the goods, them may not be nothing when it all gets said and done. So Eliab and his seven brothers all passed before God, before Samuel, the man of God. Samuel told Jesse, Jay, man, none of these is it. You must have another son. Oh, there's another one. We didn't even tell him that you was in town. We left him cleaning sheep. He said, listen. 
we're not going to sit down till he get here. Now, everybody else had time to clean up, dress up, get themselves together. Now, Brother Jesse is in a panic. All of the elders from the city has come, and the one with the blessing is not even in the room. So they rush at him. <laughs> they snatching him out of the field and snatching him and putting him in the front. He's still smelling like sheep. He didn't have time to go home and get a bath. He didn't get time to put his church clothes on. See, he wasn't the one. Everybody had bet on the other horses, and it was all wrong. And the Lord said, okay, now it's time to get out the oil. This is the one I told you to come see about. You got to be careful. That's why you got to be careful, parents, not to have favorite children. I had a daughter and a nephew, and I treated them like kids. And so early on, the daughter was like, man, see, like everything go to the nephew. Like everybody in church think he can preach and do all of this stuff. And, you know, she was feeling some kind of way. I said, honey, his destiny is not your destiny. I'm not going to dial him down to make you feel better about yourself. But hold it. Then he's here, and all of a sudden, she's getting scholarships and things, and then she's working out, and she's going out with her own car, driving out to Milwaukee, and got these internships. Then I'm like, now, now you in your lane. Now he got to stay in his lane and handle his business, or he can be upset with her. You got to be okay that everybody's got their own destiny. You need to celebrate the one over here for what God has given them and celebrate the one over there for what God has given them. Because you got to be careful. Because the one you think it. Back, back in the day when W-A-M-M, wham, 14, 20, remember that? See, I, I done left a whole bunch of y'all behind. Y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Shirley Caesar had this song, and they would play it on, on Wham, about these two sons, and the one son was the good son, and he had all of the degrees and stuff, and the other one was the gangbanger who went to prison and stuff, and when the mom, the mom put all of her stuff in the one son, but when the gang... When that one son, he got his degrees in education, his wife didn't want her around his children splitting verbs and nouns and stuff that she did. And so the gangbanger who finally got out of prison and got himself stable had to be the one to look out for the mama. See, that song bothered me. That's why I'm always like, I tried to look out for my mom because I, don't, I, don't, I didn't want to forget. You just have to be careful that you're not, as a parent, trying to pick favorites. Yeah. 
Let God be God. Let God choose for you what he wants to do with all. But you celebrate them all. Don't say, why don't you be like your brother? Stop it. You got to let them be who they are. You got to let them run their own race. Let God, let God be God. Let him trust him with their destiny. Does that make sense? I like to say it this way. Your crystal ball is not that crystal. <laughs> you, you, your ability to choose and pick them is really not as good as what you think it is. Number five, you can't judge the finish by the start. You have to throw in the God factor and character development. Don't judge where they're going to end by where they've started. Let God believe that God can turn things around and still get you to a good place. In the book of Hebrews, it talks about, at the end of the book of Hebrews, when it lists the Hall of Fame of Faith, it talks about a character named Jephthah. Jephthah was the illegitimate son. He wasn't even the son that was born and married. His brothers kicked him out because he was illegitimate. It was when dad had slipped out and tipped out. But when they got grown, he was the one that had to save them. I'm just saying, you don't know who got, who got the gift to get you through. Okay? Jacob was, his mama's, was a mama's boy where Esau was a daddy's boy. And mama had the son sneaky because she was sneaky. She was manipulative because she was manipulative. And he manipulated to get the blessing. And even though his character wasn't what it needed to be, God still had his hands on him. And his character developed to the call that God had for him. So even when you see bad character traits, you still can't let go. Number six, the person on the outside as a child may be the leader as an adult. I think about my late bishop. Bishop um, Benjavert, his background was very similar to my own. He grew up with parents in ministry. His mom was the preacher. His dad was more of, a, of an elder, but he wasn't formal because he wasn't degreed and formally trained. Mom was the, the preaching evangelist, and she would go places and do all of that. That was his mom. And so his uncle told him, this one's going to be a bishop. But little James Foster, his, his was a single mom being raised by the grandmother. 
had no pedigree, had no family, no nothing. Now, bishops in heaven and Dr. Foster still doing ministry. Sometimes we do all of the stuff for the people in here, but one of the reasons why we're sending you out there is because there might be the greater leader coming in from the outside, not the one that's born in a family of ministry. Got to be careful. Don't try to pick the horse. You just don't know. Don't try to do it. Don't try to do it. Let God be God. Bishop Granham, his parents kicked him out. For going to church, but not going to a Catholic church. And here he is doing the massive amount of ministry he's doing locally in Philadelphia and globally with the churches he leads all over the world. You got to be careful. See, I was, I, was the, I was the church boy. Like, I wasn't just my parents' favorite. I was a church favorite. But you got to be careful. Because a lot of them church boys don't turn out to be nothing. So you got so, so, so you got to be careful. You got to be careful. You trying to you trying to pick. Stop it. Finally, number seven, you have to be open to prophetic partnership and input from significant others. You know, in this generation, everybody wants to. Yeah, I can't trust my my child with nobody. Nobody can. You know, then everybody want to flex with somebody trying to give you some input. You understand what I mean, flex? Like, who you, you know, I start twisting, I can't do it like the sisters do. Who you think you is talking to me about my child? You better, you better. And then you go up to the school, checking everybody and hold it. Johnny giving you trouble at home. He ain't turning his character off when he go to school. You know, you know he got challenges. And then somebody telling you something you know that he does at home, and then you get mad because they telling you. Proverbs says, even a child is known by his ways. He, he don't change character because it's between eight and three. Now listen, Mary needed Elizabeth and Zacharias to speak into her and to the life of her son. She needed him. When Jesus was born, he needed the church mother, Anna, and the church father. Now, we don't have church fathers. But Simeon had no... He was no preacher, he was not a deacon, was not an elder, was not a priest, but Simeon knew how to pray. We needed the church father to speak into him too. There were even voices in his community that spoke into Jesus' destiny. Jesus' shepherds were sent that spoke 
about who he was and what God had called him to do. There were people that came from a foreign country, the wise men, and spoke into who Jesus was. Now, everybody around you don't get a say, but if nobody get a say, you're doing something wrong. Some people said he was just a carpenter's son. So everybody don't get a say, but if nobody get a say but you, you're limiting the destiny of your children because they need more than what you got. I'm okay. Listen, I'm on purpose telling our daughter Ruby that if anything happens to me, here's people you can trust. Nope, not that one. Not him. Nope, mm-hmm. We used to be cool, but nah, right now, no, 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 no. You're going to wake that one. Let that one slip. Here's the person I want you to talk to. Because I understand that there are certain things she needs, and all of it's not in me. And I'm okay with it. My ego don't need validation. I'm not the father because I'm always right. I'm the father because I'm always responsible. So if they got some, as long as I know they ain't damaging her, oh, yeah. So don't limit the destiny of your children by being the only voice in their life. You should be primary, but you're not, you should not be solitary. Does that, you hear the difference? If you're the only one, <laughs> you are not helping them. All right. Man. I got a scripture, a statement. I got two scriptures and a statement. So you guys are going to help me in the back. Isaiah chapter 9, 6 and 7. Lady Nedra told me I had too much content. She told me. You, you was in the office too long, Pastor David. It's more, you, don't got, you, don't, you can't get it all out today. I looked at her, what you talking about? She was right. Isaiah chapter 9, 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with justice, with judgment and justice from that time for, forward, even forever. The zeal of the, of the Lord of hosts will perform this. All right, so I got one key statement for you. Let's look at it. When you have a problem, God has a baby. The earth was in a very difficult position. But God prophesied, even back in the Garden of Eden, that there would be a seed that comes from a woman who would destroy, who would um, bruise the head of the serpent, destroy the works of the devil. When you have a problem, God has a baby. But you must deliver the deliverer that is born to deliver you. You must deliver the deliverer that is born to deliver you. Moses' parents had to deliver him from Pharaoh so that when he rose up, he could deliver them from Pharaoh. 
Jesus' parents had to deliver them, him from Herod so that when he came of age, he could deliver them from Herod. Does that make sense? All right. So they had to see the greatness in him. Our media team, we'll skip down to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. We'll just read this passage of scripture and we'll be done today. Are you getting something out of this? Matthew 18. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then Jesus called a little child to him and set him in the midst of them and said, hey, little Johnny, Susie, I'm going to give these adults the responsibility of the whole world. When you grow up, I want you to be like them. Is that what he said? No, that's not what he said. He didn't tell them, hey, little one, see these big dudes? I want you to be like, I want you, little guy, to be like them. That's not what he said, is it? He said, surely I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as the little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Clearly, while we must learn from, while our children need to learn things from us, this scripture says there is something we can all learn from our children. So before you start saying, I'm the parent, and start getting your attitude, you might want to pump them brakes. There might be something that your child can teach you about serving God in the kingdom. I'm just saying, do you see it? That's exactly what that said, isn't it? Now, let's look at verse 5. Verse 5 is the key verse that we are, that we are serve, um, focusing on for this part of this series. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. Jesus takes it personally how you receive children. When we're talking about having faith for the destiny of the next and future generations, the question is, when I see that little baby, do I see that baby like that's Jesus? Now, we, we spent all of this time during the Christmas season talking about the shepherds and the wise men, and, you know, and, and, and how the priests and all of these things happen and what Mary did and what Joseph did. But Jesus is saying, if I can receive that little child in the name of Jesus, that would be just like me receiving Jesus himself. I can have my own little Christmas every day of the year. So I got to be careful that I don't run past the little children trying to preach to the adults. I got to be careful. I got to be careful. Got to slow down. Got to pump them brakes. Now, see, he can't give me no tithes and offerings. If that's the criteria on whether or not I should minister, he can't do 
anything for me to help the ministry go forward right now. But Jesus says, if I can receive him in Jesus' name, Jesus takes that personal. Verse 6. All right, now there's some warnings here. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a big chunk of concrete were hung around his neck and he was drowned in the depth of the sea. I'm just giving you the King David version because y'all, what is a millstone? I just told you. Woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses must come, but woe to the man by whom the offenses come. He's saying, danger, Will Robinson, danger. Don't mess with the kids. Jesus, take this stuff personal. Look at verse 8. If your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life lame or maimed than having two hands or two feet to be cast into the fire. What is he talking about? If you, if you smack a kid, it would be better if you cut your hand off first. If you're going to do something out of line with a child. That's how Jesus looks at it. Because it would be better for you to cut your hand off and then go into heaven limping, gimping with a one hand or one foot than to have two feet and going to bust hell wide open. Those are Jesus' words. Those are not mine. You want to get mad with somebody, get mad at Jesus. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. I wish these child pornographers would learn what the Bible had to say about it. It is better for you to enter into life with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell, into hell fire. Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I say to you that in heaven, their angels going to tell Jesus on you. Their angels always see the face of my father who is in heaven. That's what he's, see, I'm helping you get the context of what he's saying. He's saying there's an angel that walks with a Malachi, and if I mess with him wrong, he going to tell daddy on me. Isn't that what that just said? Isn't that what that says? So you got to be careful. Running past the children think I'm going to do ministry. You better watch yourself. You can get hurt. You can get hurt. Because, see, if this was my words, you could, you could just take it and do whatever you want with it. But these are Jesus' words. All right? Look at verse 11. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine and go to the mountains to see for the one that is straying? And if he should find it, as surely I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the ninety-nine that did not go astray. Verse 14. Even so, it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. See, I've often read this scripture saying, I'm supposed to chase after you adult knuckleheads when y'all get mad and offended and leave the church. 
but I'm taking the text out of context. He was talking about children, wasn't he? So what he's telling me here is, I'm supposed to leave all y'all adults and go get the children. Go get the children. I'm supposed to leave all y'all adults and go get the children. Isn't that what that says? He's also saying to me, don't let y'all adults run off the children. You know what I said? Don't let the adults run off the children. This is our church. They like the music too loud. Don't let the adults... Bishop Thompson was here, some babies and children here, and I was like, let, let them let, be noisy, be noisy. I ain't letting the adults run off the children. Don't do it. Listen, saints. We're going to have to reorganize our ministry in 2019 to make real impact on children. I need you mature enough to not have to have everything be for you and you be okay. I need y'all to be okay. Because we want to do what Jesus says. We want to receive children in his name because he takes that very personally. Come on, let's stand. Were you blessed today? What an amazing responsibility you have. That God would trust us with the future. And that we can do something in our present that changes what God can do in the future. Don't, don't, don't rush past. And if you little Christian said, Uncle David, I want to go bike riding with you. Yes. Can't break my promise. Because if I break my promise, he think God will break his promise. Got to change my schedule. Got to change my schedule. Got to do some things. Man, I'm real busy. I ain't too busy for a child. Got to change some things. Got to change some things. Got to organize. Christian, uncle's kind of busy, but I'm going to give you that date. And on that date, we're going. I'm teaching them faith and patience teaching them faith and patience. But I can't let that day come and go. I don't care how tired I am. 
Because if I break my word, he'll believe God will break his word to us. People make promises. If you promise them a punishment, deliver. But if you promise them a prize, deliver. Teach them that your word means something. And it will be easy for them to receive from God because they'll know his word means something. Isn't this good, y'all? Go ahead, you can clap. Those of you that are watching with us online, I'm, I'm praying that you are blessed. Yes, there was some Christmas into this, but I just want you to understand that there's children out there that you can touch. Don't rush past them. Jesus is depending on you to make impact in some young person's life. Care for them as if they were Jesus Christ himself. Because if you receive them in the name of Jesus, it's just like you were receiving Jesus. I'm going to challenge you. There's information there that's available for you if you want to sow into the word today. Now listen, this is a word to sow into. I'm just saying. I'm not just saying it because I, I said it. So there's information there that allows you to do so. Please consider sowing into the word of God so that other people like you can experience the difference of destiny. Amen? All right. Praise the Lord. Saints, close your eyes. Take a deep breath. Slow down, because this is, this is so, listen, I, I was so stunned by the ministry of Bishop C. Milton Brandon at our leadership conference. If you were not here and did not hear his messages, both the Saturday and the Sunday messages, I, I encourage you to go back and watch them so that you can think through what can you, what happens if you win one child? What kind of difference can that make? Some people that we go to win will have to go back home into very difficult situations. Bishop Branham did. His mom kicked him out. He had to sneak back into the house to get his Bible and his Hindu. And she kicked him out as a 14-year-old. He had to just make it until God turned his life around. You, we don't know. We're about to do some real ministry. We're going to touch real people, run into real situations. But Jesus takes it personal. If he takes it personal, then when we bless them, he will treat it like we blessed him. And there's all kinds of blessings, all kinds of provisions that he'll make available to us. Because we are people who can count to minister to the least of these. God has an amazing plan for your life. The plan he put for you, he put before the world began. So often, we try to get our acts together before we come to the Lord. The reality is, is that on our own, we can't get our act together. That's why we need to come to the Lord. 
So while all heads are bowed, eyes are closed, believers are praying. If you'd like to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, I'd love to lead you through that process. Very, very simple. Just believe that Jesus came, that he was born of a virgin, as the word says, that he died for your sins, that he rose again, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And ask him to be the Lord of your life. Lord is not his name. Lord is his function. Landlord is in their name. It means that this property is their property, and you live in that property according to the lease agreement. The word of God is God's lease agreement for life with you. If that's you, you like to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life so that you can experience the amazing plan that he has for you. Would you show me that? Raise your hand. I just want to pray with you. I just want to know who I'm praying with. That's okay. Just raise your hand. All right. Second appeal is maybe you're a believer, um, but maybe you'll let her... Um, hurts, hindrances, or habits get in the way. Um, this is a difficult season. You know, Christmas time is either a time of celebration or it's a time of grief. Sometimes people remember the loss that they had. Sometimes this can be a difficult time. So I just want to pray with you. Or, man, you feel my pain. You feel my burden that the Lord is telling you personally that he wants to move through you to help some young person out that's you, would you just show me that by raising your hand? God is moving on me to minister to some young people. So I want to be used of God. Amen. Alright, third appeal. I always um, do this. It is our custom here to pray and believe with you to receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit. It is a second work of grace beyond salvation. There's an empowerment that comes with it. It comes with its own language. Um, it comes with a number of things that give you the empowerment to witness and to do the work that God has created you to do. If that's you, I'm believing God to receive that baptism of the Holy Spirit. Can you show me that by raising your hands? Please stand and see the hands. You can put your hands down. Finally, 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 one of the things that the Lord charges me is that when I have this kind of time together with you, to challenge you that I'd love to be your man of God. You know, we know we have visitors here, even those that are watching online, that don't have a church home or a church place. I believe Destiny Generation Church is a place where you can come and find the destiny path of God for your life. That God has something that he wants to do for your life, and he can do it with you here. And that I would love to just share with you some information about um, membership in Destiny Generation Church. Not hard, it's very easy, but um, we can go together and experience the difference of destiny. Um, so if you raise your hand, I'm just saying that I will reach out to you after the service is over, and then we'll talk to you about membership at Destiny Generation. If you have interest in that, would you just show me that by raising your hand in Jesus' name? I see your hand. You can put your hand down. Thank you. Father, we're going to pray together, and believers, um, are, everyone's praying together. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, I come to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. I believe. God raised you from the dead just for me. Thank you for receiving me into your royal family. Heavenly Father, I believe that you can use me to cause the next and future generations to walk in their destiny. I'm asking you to help me to work with you to minister to children to youth, to young adults. Help me to be your partner 
to receive the little ones in the name of Jesus. Thank you. I believe that you're going to minister to them through me. Heavenly Father, you said in your word that if I ask you, you would fill me with the gift of your precious Holy Spirit. I'm asking now, I believe I receive it, and I fully expect to speak with other tongues as your spirit gives me utterance. Thank you that another generation will experience their destiny because of my faith. Thank you for it. I believe it now in Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead, clap. Go ahead, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. We just want to thank God for all of you that were watching with us online. Please like and share. We believe that this kind of word will challenge you and will change your life forever. Help us by spreading the word so that other people like you can experience the difference in destiny. God bless you. See you next time. Hallelujah. Go ahead. And we're just so grateful and thankful for the word today from our own pastor, David Johnson. And at this time, we just want to